0: Well, good morning to everyone. If you would open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll continue our study there this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for this day that you've appointed where we can meet together, meet with our brothers and sisters, worship you. Have your word open to us to hear one more time of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray you'd bless us this morning. Don't let us meet here without your presence or we've met in vain. But Father, meet with us, enable us to, to truly worship you from the heart this morning. I pray you would, that you would be our teacher, that you would open the, your word to our hearts and that we might leave here this morning like the disciples of old saying, didn't our hearts burn within us as the word was opened to us? Father, give us the faith to believe, to believe on and to rest in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let his name be exalted here this morning. And Father, what we pray for ourselves, we pray for your people, wherever they might meet together this morning. Father, in this dark day in which we live, we pray you'd cause the glory of your Son through the preaching of your gospel to shine out in the land. Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you for the, the gift that you've given to us of these little ones. Father, we pray for them. We pray that you'd keep them safe in this world. We pray especially mercy for their souls. And Father, pray you'd make us faithful to them, faithful to point them to Christ our Savior. And Father, we dare not sin against thee in forgetting to pray for your people that are in times of trouble, heartache, and sorrow. Father, we pray that you would comfort their hearts with your presence. We pray that you'd deliver them as soon as it could be thy will. But Father, until that time, we we pray a special portion of your presence to Comfort their heart while they're in the valley. Now, Father, all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I've titled our lesson this morning, Redeeming the Time. I took the title from verse 16, where Paul says, Redeeming the Time because the days are evil. Now, anytime we someone mentions we need to redeem the time, spiritually speaking, I, this is immediately what we all think about. Well, I need to quit wasting so much time on earthly things. I need to, to spend you know all my time in prayer and, and reading the word and, and study, listening to, to messages on sermon audio. I'm wasting too much time on, on the things of this world. I, I've got to spend more time on those spiritual things. Now, certainly all those things, reading God's Word. Spending time in prayer, listening to, to messages, those are very good things for us to do, and I'm all for them. And it, a believer will do those things. A believer will pray. A believer will have a need to, to read God's word because it's the, the children's bread. I was at a meeting in another place sometime uh, ago, and uh, many years ago, And, uh, Brother Charles Pennington was going to preach, and they, uh, right, right before he got up to preach, they, they sang this song about how, you know, believers ought to, to love the Lord. Believers ought to believe the Lord. Believers ought to pray. And by the time that song was over, there's five or six verses to it. By the time that song was over, Charlie was mad. Aaron, you were there. You and I went, remember? I mean, he was mad. And I was glad Aaron was with me because I thought, we're going to have to fist fight our way out of this place. I mean, Charlie. But he's right, He, Charlie Gubbs, now a believer will pray. A believer does believe God. A believer does trust Christ. A believer does have a desire to to read God's word. We ought to be doing those things. But that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy other things of this life. The NFL season kicks off today. I'm going to watch a football game today. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with reading some uh, sappy romance novel or a book or spending time on whatever hobby you know you like. God made these things in this world for his, his children to enjoy. Those things are only problematic when we become so obsessed with those things that we do them and so to such an extent that we don't have time for the public worship service, that we don't have time to, to go to God in prayer, we don't have time, time for his word. We have a problem when we focus so much on those things that we're not looking to the Savior, that we're not thinking of Him, that we're not worshiping Him. Now Paul says redeeming the time, and that word has a few different meanings. I'll give you two of them. First, it means to recover from the power of another, or to ransom another. Now, that's what Christ has done for us, and He's ransomed us from the power of the law. He's delivered us from the power of our sin he's redeemed us but second this word redeemed means to to make wise sacred use of it means to buy up for one's own use make wise sacred use of now that's what Paul's telling us to do make wise sacred use of the time that god has given us here on this earth and from our text this morning i want to give you six ways that we can redeem the time in our everyday lives To make wise, sacred use of the time that God's given us. And the first one is this. Walk it with some wisdom. Verse 15, Paul says, in uh, well, verse 14, he says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, Paul says, since God has wakened you, you know, you're not, gonna you know, don't do this to waken yourself up or give you spiritual life. Since God has wakened you, since he already has given you spiritual life, see that you walk like it. See, like, see that you walk like you got some light. Walk circumspectly, Paul says, and the word means accurately and diligently. Now, the only way any of us can walk accurately is by diligently trusting Christ. That's the only way we can walk accurately. Walking accurately is truly believing Christ is my righteousness. My morality is not my righteousness. My my morality and my good works and my good Christian living don't add to my righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. He's all of it. And then walking like it. Acting like it. Now, how can I how can I walk? How can I conduct myself in such a way that I really believe Christ is my, is my righteousness? He's the righteousness of all of his people. Well, I thought of this. I cannot walk acting holier than thou. I cannot be so judgmental and harsh on people remembering Christ is their righteousness too. <laughs> Just like he's mine. Just like he's mine. And if we're wise we'll trust Christ. I mean, if we're wise, we'll trust Christ alone. And if we're a fool, we won't trust Christ because we'll be trusting in something in ourselves in some way. So how does a believer walk as wise, not as a fool? Well, I thought of a few examples. First is by trusting your entire soul to Christ alone. In the parable of the wise man and the foolish man that our Lord gave, the wise man, he conducted himself with some wisdom, didn't he? he? built his house on a rock. He built his house on the solid rock, Christ alone. He depended on Christ without any of his works being added to it. Now that's wise, isn't it? Because whatever is built on Christ is going to last. It, it'll last forever. It's already stood up, not, not just that it will stand up, it already has stood up to the wrath of God against the sin of God's people, it'll stand up to every danger, every toil, and every snare that we face in this world. That's wise to build on Christ, to trust him alone. Now, if you're a fool, you're going to build your hope on the sinking sands of man's works. And Lord in, the, in, our, in that parable taught us, that's foolish. You know, if you built a, build a, a sandcastle, you go to the beach and you build a sandcastle, Later that day, the changing tides are going to wipe that thing away. Just the changing tides. It doesn't even take a storm to wipe sand away, does it? Well, certainly the storm of God's wrath is going to destroy. Whatever it is that's built on the sinking sands of man's works is going to be destroyed. So walk as wise by truly trusting your soul to Christ alone. Don't just give lip service to it. Truly believe Christ. He's all it takes. The second example I thought of is this, the rich man that the Lord told us in, about in that parable. I guess it was a parable. That rich man said, I don't know, I've got so much wealth, my crops are doing so good, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger. And then I can tell my soul, rest at ease. Soul, everything's good because I got bigger barns. The Lord called that man, thou fool. Thou fool. It's foolish. To trust our souls and think we have security because we got a bunch of earthly, physical, material things. It's foolish. Because they're all temporary. There's no safety in having things, riches, things of this world. But there's safety in trusting Christ. Your soul is safe trusting him. You know, a wise person will work to provide a good living for himself, a good living for their family. There's nothing wrong with having a good living for for your family. Go out and work hard and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Solomon said nothing better in the world than that. Do do that. But do that while you trust Christ to provide. Go about your daily activities. Doing, I mean, your dead level best, take care of what God's given you. All with one eye on Christ. He's coming back. Looking for him. That's being wise. And the third thing I thought of is the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. You know, those virgins, they all looked the same on the outside, didn't they? They all dressed alike. And you know the other thing that they did alike? They both slumbered. While they're waiting for the bridegroom to come, they both slumbered. What made the wise, the wise virgins? They had their lamps filled with oil. They were already filled with oil and that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk more about that in in here in just a second, being filled with the Holy Spirit. The wise were filled with grace. They had grace in the heart. The flesh is still the flesh. The flesh is still weak. That's why they slept while they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. But they had grace in the heart. Now, if you would walk as wise, not as fools, walk knowing this, salvation is in the heart. Salvation is a heart work. Salvation is something only God can do for me. I need to be filled with the Spirit. Well, I can't fill myself. I need God to fill me. So, walking is wise, means to conduct yourself, living your life, seeking Christ, always knowing that you're always in need, and asking asking God, God give me life, God keep me, God bless me, God keep me from myself. That's walking is wise. And the last example I thought of is Psalm 14. For David said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, that's a fool. That's a fool. Somebody to claim they're an atheist, that's a fool. Everybody knows God is. But you know, David's not really saying that what they're saying is there is no God. If you look at that this afternoon, you'll see that those words, there is, is in italics. That's been added by the translators. What David actually wrote is the fool has said in his heart, no, God. No, no, God, I won't submit to your righteousness. No, God, I won't submit to salvation being in Christ alone. I'm going to contribute some of this thing. No, God, I won't submit to your sovereign, electing, redeeming, regenerating grace. No, I won't. I won't bow to you in that way. That's a fool. Walking as wise is submitting to the word of God. It's believing the word of God and submitting to it even when I don't understand it. Even if it doesn't seem to match my my personal experience, it's submitting to God's word and believing God's word is true even if I can't explain it, even if I don't see it. A wise person lives recognizing God in all things. I mean, whatever it is that happens. Whatever happens, God did it. Now God did it. I might not like it. I might see, you know, a, a wicked person prospered by, but whatever it is that happens, God did it. And the wise person will rest in that. And here's what else. If you, if I'd really know everything happens, God did it. I'm going to live in prayer. Asking the Lord to take care of me. Asking the Lord to provide for me. Asking the Lord to keep me from myself that I don't do something that hurts so many people. It's submitting to God's authority. God is. That's walking is wise. That's redeeming the time. It's living your life like you're supposed to live it. Going to work, raising your family, doing all those things with one eye on the Lord. All right, number two. Redeeming the time is being filled with the Spirit. Verse 18, Paul says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this isn't teaching the evils of alcohol. If you adults want to have a drink of alcohol, that's perfectly fine. Now, Eric's class is out here this morning. Let me say something to our young people. If you'll bear with an old man for a minute, stay away from it. Stay away from it. Don't touch it. I mean, just don't even touch it till you got a whole lot more maturity than you got now. Alcohol will make you do stupid things. Alcohol will put your life in danger. It it will now. Just, Just don't touch it. Don't touch it. Now, that's good advice. You ask any older person here, that's good advice. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the excessive use of anything of anything in this world. The excessive use of the things of this world, just being obsessed with it, makes us drunk. You know, when you're drunk, you, you don't see things like they really are, do you? You know, a person is, is drunk on alcohol, just they don't see things as they realize. They don't react to them correctly or quickly enough. They, they're, they're drunk on alcohol. Well, if we're drunk on the things of this world, we're so taken up. We just, the things of this world are so bright, here to us that we don't see the spiritual truth of things if we're drunk on this world we don't see how temporary these things are they're so temporary i know telling that to, to younger folks is uh i know you can't understand it you, th- you think you've got 100 years left you know Oh, it's going to go so quickly from your age to my age. It's going to go so quickly. The things of this world are only temporary. And when all you can think about is getting more of them and enjoying more of them, you're drunk on the things of this world. And Paul tells us the danger to our soul of that. He said, don't be filled with those things. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Now notice here he says, be filled. be filled. He's not telling you, you've got to go out there and fill yourself with the Spirit. He says, be filled. Be filled with the Spirit by the work of God the Holy Spirit. Now, again, people, um, it's, it's very prevalent in our day. Think that being filled with the Spirit means, oh, now I can go out there and and start healing folks. I can start, you know, doing like you'd see people doing on TV. Just let me tell you, 100% of the time that you see that in this world, it's a, it's a fake. It's a fake. If somebody could really do that, they'd go down here to King's Daughters this afternoon and empty the place out. It's a fake. It's not true. Talking in tongues. People say being filled with the Spirit is acting like you're under the influence of alcohol, like you're in some drug-induced trance or something. That's not the Holy Spirit of God. It might be another Spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says be filled with the Spirit. Well, how do I do that? It's by the preaching of the word, by the preaching of Christ. I'll show you that. Look back at John chapter 15. I'm filled with the spirit, be filled with the spirit through the preaching of Christ because the job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ to his people. That's what the Savior tells us. John 15, look first at verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the Comforter. The Savior said, I'll send him to you, which proceedeth from the Father. Here's what he'll do. He shall testify of me. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, is to testify of Christ, is to tell us of Christ, point us to Christ. Look at chapter 16, verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Now look at this, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. Now you see that. The Holy Spirit's not going to glorify himself. Isn't that what the Savior said? He's not going to glorify himself. He's, he's not going to enable you to do miracles and do these wondrous things so that when people see you, they're impressed with the Holy Spirit. That's not his job. The Savior said he's not going to glorify himself. He's not going to speak of himself. He's going to point people to Christ. The job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ so that people, sinners, God's people, are impressed with Christ. The job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ to us so we see him so clearly. We're so impressed with him. We'll trust our entire soul to him. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, tell you what to do be where Christ is preached. Because that's where the Holy Spirit operates. He takes the things of Christ and shows them to you. So you be filled with the Spirit, be where Christ is preached. The wise person seeking to redeem the time makes as much use, takes as much opportunity to be in the public worship service where Christ is preached as humanly possible so that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because a wise person knows this. If God doesn't fill me with the Spirit, I'm empty and useless. So I want to seek myself, avail, avail myself to the means that I might be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's redeeming the time. Alright, number three. Redeem the time by rejoicing in Christ. Back in our text, Ephesians 5, verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, when Paul talks about singing in your heart, you know what he's talking about is rejoicing. The believer has so much reason to rejoice. And I think it's good to take note of this. Paul says, sing in the heart. Sing from the heart. Don't sing to make a show of your talents. Because if you're doing that, you're, you're singing to make a show of your talents. Tell you what you're doing. You're not worshiping. You're not pointing anybody to Christ. You're pointing people to you. Paul says, don't do that. Sing from the heart. Sing in your heart and sing from your heart. When nobody else is around, just just sing to yourself. I've told you all this before. I I sing in the car, especially on my way here. We just, we started this. It was, it was a chance wise idea. We started when the girls were very, very little. On the way to service, we'd sing choruses. We'd let them pick choruses we all sing choruses together. Well, I still do that. I still do that. Sing choruses and hymns and stuff. And buddy, I mean, I sing at the top of my lungs. Because you want to know what? When I'm in the car alone, that's when I sound the best. <laughs> I mean, when I'm alone, I sound like Harry Bellifonte or something. I mean, you know, I'm something else when, when I'm by myself. Sing, just rejoicing. Rejoicing, seeking God's blessing, you know. Sing, because of joy in your heart. A believer has joy. I know this world beats us down, but the believer has joy. Joy in Christ. Think about the joy you have in His person. Think about the joy you have in His glory. Just sing in joy. God's forgiven your sin. He forgave your sin, and the way He did it is slaughtering His Son in your place so He could forgive your sin. Doesn't that give you joy? Oh, sing. Sing out. Rejoice, God's given you faith in Christ. Everybody doesn't believe Christ. But God's given you faith in Christ. Sing, You rejoice. Rejoice in the gospel. The gospel tells us about Christ. Always reminds us of Christ. Always points us to Christ. And God's given us a place where we got an easy drive to come hear it. Isn't that something? Rejoice. Rejoice that one day, right soon, you're going to see Him face to face. Oh, rejoice. Now, Paul says here, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't think one of us here would be comfortable walking up to one another and start singing. I don't think uh, that uh, we'd be very comfortable. I don't think we'd be very comfortable somebody walking up to us and start singing to us either. you know. But we can talk to one another. We can talk to one another about the things that we both rejoice in. This is the thing that's common to us. We... We can talk about being able to rejoice together in Christ. What a savior we have! What a God we have! Oh hadn't he blessed us hadn't he this It's just unbelievable that of all the people on the on the face of the earth, God would choose to bless you and me. We can talk to one another about that here in the in the in the worship service, but also out there in the world, you know we get together the um this uh, Lord willing it's Friday, the men are going to get together for for lunch and yeah, we'll talk about everything under the sun, but I'll tell you one thing we're going to talk about, the scriptures. This, oh, how God's blessed us, how, how thankful we are. Talk to one another about the scriptures. Talk to one another about the Lord. That's redeeming the time that God's given. Now, you know what I'm saying. It doesn't have to mean that that's exclusively all you talk about, but it's just a natural part of life. It's a natural part of the conversation because of what's in our heart. That's redeeming the time. You know, we can can talk about the things of this world. For so long, everybody's going to run home and jump into bed and pull the covers over their head and be so depressed you ain't going to come out, you know. Talk to one another about the Lord. That'll help and encourage one another. Then fourthly, Paul says, redeem the time by being thankful. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I tell you, a big, big, big mark of a believer is being thankful. A person who knows that they have everything that they have because God gave it to them, even though they don't deserve it, how can that person not be thankful? A believer is going to be a thankful person. You just think of all God's spiritual blessings to us. Those I'll start there because that's the ones that are most important. Well, what are they? They're every spiritual blessing. Paul told the church at Ephesus, every spiritual blessing is ours. God's given it to us. And God so kind and so gracious, so understanding of our weakness, He made them easy to find. He put them all in one place. In Christ. He's given us everything. He's given us election. He chose a people in Christ. He chose to save them even though they never do one blessed thing to to deserve it. He's made them righteous by the obedience of Christ. He's made them holy by the sacrifice of Christ. He's forgiven their sin. He's given them eternal life that we can never lose like our father Adam lost. And he's given us a promise to keep us and be with us every step of the way. He said, when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. You go through the fire; it won't kindle. It won't burn you. I'll, I'll be with you. And on top of that, the Lord's given us everything we have in this life. Now you have to admit, you think about the things that we have, the people of this congregation have. God's made us rich. He's made us rich. None of us are going to be featured on that show, "Was the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous," but we're rich. We're rich. We really don't lack a thing. Do we? God's made it all. Now how can that person not be thankful? The Lord has given his people so much. So much. Paul says be thankful. Give thanks always for all things. The believer has been so blessed of God. We even have reason to give thanks. In times of trial. And heartache. I don't know I, I'll just speak for myself here. you see if this applies to you. It's probably impossible for us to truly give thanks for the pain and the suffering that goes along with the trial. It's probably hard for us to say thank you Lord, for filling me with this pain, filling me with this sorrow, filling me for this heartache, the hurt's so bad. It's probably hard to to, to, to give thanks for that. But I tell you what the believer can give thanks for when God sends those things. We can thank God he's given us grace sufficient for the trial that he's sent. He sent the severity of the trial and he sent grace that matches it. Grace that's sufficient for it. We can give thanks when the trial's over. We can give thanks that the Lord taught us something about himself that we couldn't have learned outside the furnace of, of, of trial. I can be thankful. The Lord sent something to me. Now, I'm not giving thanks for, for the pain. That, that would be disingenuous, but I'm thankful for this. I learned to trust the Lord more because of it. He taught me more of himself and taught me to trust him more. I can be thankful for that. A believer can be thankful to know that whatever happens to me, that's the will of God for me. And what an accident. Aren't you thankful to know God's running this show. The the devil didn't do it. The whims of of men didn't do it. It's not something that just randomly happened or floating out there in the air. Whatever it is happens to me is God's eternal will and purpose coming to pass. Now I'm thankful to know that. This is God's will. This is God's will. And I'm thankful to know this. As painful as it might be for me, as difficult as it might be for me, somehow God's going to bring good out of this. I may never see it, but God's going to bring good out of that. I promise you that because that's what he said. I'm thankful for that. Thankful. Then number five, redeem the time by being submissive. Paul says in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, Paul says live submitting to each other. Think about what others need for what you want, put them what their needs ahead of your wants. Esteem other better than, than than yourselves. That's submitting to to one another. Give in. Just do what you have to do. I mean, I don't care what you have to do, other than compromise the gospel. Do whatever you have to do to keep the peace here, so we can worship together in peace. Because we can't worship together and we're fussing and fighting. Whatever it is you got to do to keep the peace. Do it. Believers submit to one another because we know the value of peace, the value of the gospel. Way more valuable than what I want, isn't it? And just like uh, uh, being thankful, a believer should be able to submit to one another. We should be able to do that because we've got experience submitting to the Lord, submitting ourselves to, to his, his righteousness. Just submit to one another. This, you don't have to be the big important guy telling everybody how to do everything all the time. Just submit. A person who is not submissive doesn't show much evidence of grace in the heart. Because like I said, a believer has experience in this matter of submitting. Submitting to Christ. And then lastly, Paul says, redeem the time by fearing God. At the end of verse 21, he says, uh, do this to to one another in the fear of God. Now, fear is reverence. And the best way I can think of to reverence God is to be afraid to trust anything other than Christ alone. Now, we should constantly fight what this world tries to, to thrust upon us. Its ideas and its ways are contrary to God we have to fight against that. Be afraid of doing things the world's way when it's against God's way. Be afraid of that. And we have to constantly fight the old man. I mean, you know, all of our battles don't come without. the hardest ones come from within. Constantly fight that old man. That old man is constantly trying to get us to trust self instead of trust Christ alone. Now fight that for all your worth, because you're afraid to trust your soul to anything other than Christ alone. And if the Lord will enable us to do that, we'll live our lives redeeming the time that God's given us. Hope that'll be uh, helpful to you. Lord bless you.